athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. I think very deeply. In about four seconds, a teacher will begin to speak. I think very deeply. Talking sports and other stuff here on Box to Row. I am your host, Donald Ware. Got a good show for you today. You know, I'm feeling pretty good, right? First of all, I had a great weekend last weekend, an absolutely wonderful weekend. It was a long weekend. It was cold. We're here in North Carolina. Got a little bit of weather where we are in Raleigh. Not a whole lot, especially compared to some other areas, specifically speaking, and then within our state of North Carolina. But telling you what, got that fire going on Sunday. Watched wild card all day. All three games on Saturday or on Sunday, and then the other two games on Saturday, right? I missed a little bit. I, I mostly heard the Raiders and the Bengals game. I had a chance to see the fourth quarter, and what an ending. Uh, that was just a valiant effort, I think, all around by the Raiders, and not just in that football game, but throughout the course of the season. I was surprised to see general manager Mike Mayock fired. But then when I read an article and looked at a lot of the misses that he had as general managers and, t- and general manager in terms of a lot of the guys that didn't pan out, specifically guys in the first round and the second round, a lot of the guys that Mayock hit on were late round guys. And so after reading that article, I'm like, ah, but I just thought with the way the season had gone, ultimately, and uh, the the I mean, this was a, a, a relatively successful year for the Raiders. They probably are looking forward because if you if you look at this thing and you look at the first round picks over Mayock's years as the Raiders general manager, not good at all, not good at all. And, you know, I'm thinking, hey, they're looking forward to, OK, we got the draft coming up. We want to build upon what we did this year. And does that mean? Rich Basaccia gets an opportunity to continue to be the head coach of the Raiders. We'll see ultimately looking forward, but that was a good football game. Um, and by the way, you know, the Bills, I mean, the Bills and Patriots game wasn't a good football game at all. I, you know, it was interesting. I I listened to a lot of, of the pundits talk about the weather and how Josh Allen has struggled in the weather and, all of those things, and I'm like, I, I didn't even take any of that into consideration. I thought that the Bills would ultimately win that football game. I didn't, I didn't think they would crush the Patriots like they did. Like they blasted the Patriots. That wasn't even a close football game at all. But you know, that was a good football. You know, the the, the 49ers and the Cowboys, which I really want to get to, uh, was a good football game. So all that said, I was six and zero. Oh. 
in my picks this week. Six and oh in my picks this week. And of course, we're going to talk about the divisional round matchups on the program also today here on Box to Row. I mean, we could talk some NBA today on the program. You look at Kevin Durant, expected to be out four to six weeks with that knee injury. Better that it happened now than later in the season. And by the way, uh, I know the Nets have to be grateful that that injury wasn't as bad as it maybe could have been. You hear a lot of times where guys run into other run into other guys' knees, and next thing you know, it's an ACL. But fortunately for Kevin Durant, uh, not as bad as perhaps it could have been. And good thing that it happened now. I mean, he you know he's been playing a lot of minutes, and you know now with Kyrie. Irving, like, sort of back. He's he's back part-time. I mean, you know, this is a Nets team that, you know, has a real opportunity. I really like the Bucks. I think the Bucks have been very much underrated this year. And a lot of people still aren't talking about the Bucks, giving the Bucks the respect that the Bucks, in fact, deserve. Uh, but, listen, it, it's good that this happened now opposed to later on. And uh, so we'll monitor, certainly, uh, that situation with Kevin Durant and the Nets. We'll talk some NBA and can talk some NBA today here on Box to Row. Want you to join us on the program. Hit us up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two R-O-W. That's how you can join the program. You can also... And while you're on Twitter, follow us. Follow us on Twitter. You can also hit me on my personal Twitter account, at DWare1, at DWare1. Thank you to all of the great affiliates around the country that carry Box to Row. Uh, For instance, you look at Radio Free Nashville in Nashville, Tennessee, that carries the program. Those that listen to us, on Sirius XM, channels 141 and 142, and those that listen to us around the world at BoxToRow.com. So as mentioned, went 6-0. I think where I was wrong was I said that I would take, the Chiefs were a 13-point favorite in this game. And I said, well, I, 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 if I was a betting man, I would take the points. I mean, I'm definitely going to take the Chiefs to win, but I would take the points in that football game. What was way wrong there Probably the last time we're going to see Ben Roethlisberger play, and I mean he just he just didn't he just didn't look good at all. It, the the Steelers couldn't run the football. I mean they just couldn't do anything, couldn't get anything going in that football game, and and so ultimately that's probably going to be the last time we'll see Ben Roethlisberger. You know that Buccaneers and Eagles game wasn't a bad game from this perspective. The Eagles defense played solidly. I thought the the Eagles defense was solid. Jalen Hurts couldn't get anything going. Like he just couldn't get anything going. I think he's I think he's going to be a solid quarterback moving forward. But I mean, you look at what he was able to do during the course of the season and then you look at this playoff game and it just was a a night and day difference. Give the Eagles some credit from a defensive perspective, but the Buccaneers looking to ultimately make that run No question about it. But the talk of the weekend was the 49ers and the Cowboys. And so 
It was a really good football game. I mean, I think that the 49ers had some opportunities to open the game up. Jimmy Garoppolo, like I like Jimmy Garoppolo. Everybody was saying Jimmy Garoppolo isn't isn't that good. He's done. Of course, the 49ers move up to take Trey Lance, ultimately have rolled with Garoppolo. And, I mean, Garoppolo's a solid quarterback. But I can see why. Like, I can see why some were saying, and even within the organization and, you know, head coach Kyle Shanahan, why they went moved up to make the movie, missed I mean, missed some critical throws, right? And then the interception late was critical. Like, he overthrew the intended receiver, easy interception for the Cowboys, which put the Cowboys in position to, I think at that time, to maybe even take the lead, but ultimately the Cowboys just couldn't get it done, right? We moved to the end of the game, and the Cowboys had one last opportunity. I want to... I want to talk about the last opportunity that the Cowboys had. You had the ball. I think the Cowboys got the ball like on their own 20. In three plays, they had moved the ball to like the 49ers' 40-yard line. Like they had gained 40 yards in three plays. So when they ran the quarterback keeper, ultimately for Dak Prescott to slide down. First of all, let 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 me step back. When I saw that play, initially when I saw that play and immediately when I saw that play, and then the time ran out, I was like, immediately, somebody is going to get fired behind that. I I didn't like the play call. Like, they can justify the play call as being, okay, we wanted to kind of get the get it a little bit closer. We, we felt like that was the way to get it closer. But think about it. The previous three plays, you gained 40 yards. So, you like – like the 49ers were play, were playing a defense where the the 49ers were not trying to give up a touchdown so everything underneath was open why wouldn't you and and not only open but to the sidelines like the three plays were plays that were completed passes out of bounds why don't you just run another play you know, you need somewhere between you get somewhere between ten and twenty yards. It's much more manageable for a hail mary. To me, with fourteen seconds remaining to run that play, it just wasn't enough time. And now you, you know, you could say Dak could have slid down a little bit sooner. It just wasn't enough time. That was an awful play call, in my opinion. And I stand behind that. Even after it, I was wondering why they ran the play. Okay, I, I mean, yeah, you can say because we wanted to get a little bit closer. That was a terrible play call. More specifically, because of the three previous plays that you ran that netted you 40 yards. Like, why would you call that play? And so that was, I mean, I think the Cowboys were, were, 49ers were trying to give the game away, especially offensively, especially on offense. Right, like couldn't get anything. I mean, they got some things going. They got three field goals, scored a touchdown. Debo Samuel had that great run. I thought when he made that run, I thought the game was over right there because the Cowboys hadn't done anything against the 49ers defense, and you and the 49ers were relying on their defense to stand up and stand up and stand up till it couldn't stand up, almost, almost couldn't stand up anymore. Uh, and so – the, the 49ers tried to give the game away. The Cowboys ultimately blew it, I thought, 
with the play call. I thought it was a bad play call. And I thought somebody would be fired ultimately behind that play call. Your thoughts on the weekend, your thoughts specifically on the Cowboys' last play call. Am I wrong? Was that a bad play call? Your thoughts hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. We've got more of the program on the other side. You've got it locked to Box to Row Radio and Sirius XM. Precious Rose Dunlap, and this is my mother, Michelle Timlake Roll, founder of Marjorie Sweet Jerky Incorporated. We would at this time like to thank our new customers as well as our repeating customers for your business. For every one million orders that we receive, our company is giving two million dollars away to the bottom of four hundred of our paid customers. You see, that's the way we roll. So come place an order at www.marjoriesbeefjerky.com. That's www.marjoriesbeefjerky.com. Marjorie's Beef Jerky is the best tasting beef jerky on this planet. Marjorie's Beef Jerky. Yeah, that's right. Because that's the way we roll. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsborough. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's, and in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Box to Box to Box to It's the divisional round of the National Football League playoffs, and we've got four games this weekend, and I'm going to give you my predictions. Last week, 6-0, 6-0 in the predictions, and we'll see how this week goes. It's, it's, I, I don't know that there was anything clear-cut. I think if you looked at last week, I mean, you could have looked at an upset like a, a Steelers and Kansas City, not crazy enough to pick that, although I didn't think that the Steeler, or the uh, Chiefs would win by 13 points, won by way more than 13 points. But this weekend, may I mean, if you look, there may be one, one game that's an upset. Everything else is pretty close. And I would have said that last week, if the Eagles had beaten the Buccaneers, that would have been an upset as well. But let's look at this week. It kicks off. On Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern, the Bengals going to be on the road at the Titans. And you look at the Bengals 
coming off the really nice win. Like for the Bengals, I look at the Bengals and I, you know, listen, I mean, you know, to be able to go and get it done last week against the Raiders who really got into the playoff by the skin of their teeth but played so hard, came down to really the last play of the game where uh, where it was a great interception that was made as Derek Carr and the Raiders were driving down the field. I mean, you got to give a lot of credit to the Raiders for playing. And, and again, as I mentioned, just a lot of adversity that the Raiders ultimately went through. When you look at, I mean, you know, you look at Jamar Chase, you look, Joe Burrow is just Mr. Cool. And I really like not only he and Chase's rapport going back to their days at LSU, but I mean, Burrow has a plethora of wide receivers to throw the football to. And by the way, he's got a pretty good running back and a pretty good running game in Joe Mixon. I think my concern in this football game with the Bengals is the offensive line. Looked at a stat where Joe Burrow is the most sacked quarterback in the National Football League, and that's interesting because there was a lot of debate. Should the Bengals ultimately select Lamar Chase? Should they select an offensive lineman? I think they made the right choice. I, I, I mean, I, from the beginning, I thought, I mean, if you can get a guy like that and those two guys have rapport, I mean, it's not like offensive linemen grow on trees. It's not like that, but you could find someone adequate enough, uh, especially at the left tackle position, and I understand the concern coming off the injury the the year before against the Washington football team. And I can understand that and really wanting to solidify that offensive line, specifically the left tackle position. I thought it was the right move. And even though Burrow's been sacked, I mean, the offensive line, you know, from a run-blocking standpoint has been pretty good. And, by the way, has given Burrow enough time. I mean, if you look at the games where the Bengals came up short, that was an issue, but not necessarily – in the games where the Bengals exceeded. The defense, I think, for the Bengals is pretty, pretty solid. It's a pretty solid defense. I like the defense, actually. Um, I, I think it's solid. I mean, it may not, there may not be any super huge names uh, on that defense, but I think it's a solid defense. When I look at the Titans, immediately what comes to my mind for the Titans, and again, best record in the AFC, got the first round by. I get it. The Titans had this, the type of season that the Titans had. There's no question about that. You got to respect that, right? But I don't trust, like, I don't trust the Titans. I don't trust the Titans at all. And that's part of my problem. Yeah, I mean, I realize e even in lieu of Derrick Henry, you know, I think the running game for the Titans was solid even without a, a Derrick Henry. So I think you had a solid running game in of itself anyway I mean I think the defense I, mean, I think the defense was better uh, this year uh, than it was last year and that may be sort of the difference when you're looking at a team that's 12 and 5 as opposed to what the Titans did last year was still a pretty solid season I mean Ryan Tannehill is solid he's got some you know he's got some weapons uh, there's no question about that I just you know it's like any given day with the Titans, I just don't trust them. Yeah, I mean, you got A.J. Brown. Yeah, you got Julio Jones. I mean, you got some guys 
that you can throw the football to is just, you know, I I I just uh I just don't trust the Titans ultimately. I like the way the Bengals are playing. The Bengals are hot. Almost a nothing to lose mentality because that's a young football team with a young quarterback. And I like the Bengals in this football game over the Titans in Nashville. The 49ers and the Packers. So this probably is the game where it's more, it's not a mismatch, but it, it, there to me there's a clear-cut favorite in this game, and that's the Packers. Now that's not to say that the 49ers couldn't win the game. Ultimately, anything can happen. I look at the 49ers, who almost blew the game against the Cowboys last week. I think in part because Kyle Shanahan doesn't understand how to run the football. You go back to the Super Bowl uh, when the Falcons played the Patriots, and all Shanahan had to do was run one or two times down the stretch, wanted to throw the football all over the place, and ultimately the Patriots came back and won that football game. That almost happened here. I'm looking at the game at times when Garoppolo's throwing the football. I'm like, run the football, even with the interception. Run the football, okay? Uh, but listen, 49ers defense is solid. I like Garoppolo. I mean, you look at uh, Debo Samuel is really, really good. Like, that's a solid football team. You look at the offensive line, it's good. You're going to get the protection, uh, no doubt, from a guy like a Trent Williams uh, from that left tackle position, right? I look at the Packers, and to me, the Packers are my Super Bowl favorite to win the Super Bowl. Um, Aaron Rodgers has been great all season long. I mean, you know, the the running game's been good. I mean, obviously, he's got a premier wide receiver. And the thing about the Packers this year is the defense has been good, right? You give the Packers an extra week to kind of heal up a little bit in, in, in some respects, maybe uh, maybe a, a couple of weeks because you don't play some guys. Remember, the Packers lost the season-ending game against the Lions, but again, didn't, you know, kind of uh, seeded that game, I would say. Definitely, while the 49ers are, are solid, I definitely like the Packers over the 49ers in Green Bay. The Rams and the Buccaneers. This is a Sunday game, right? Three, 3 o'clock Eastern. So this is an interesting game. Like, I really like the Buccaneers. Tom Brady, obviously, the running game is going to be really, really good. Yeah, I mean, okay, so, I, I mean, I get it. You, you don't have, you know, all of the weapons at your disposal ultimately if you're Tom Brady. Like I, I like I get all of that, but you've got Mike Evans, right? You've got Gronkowski. I mean, you've got some guys. It's a good football team. And the thing about it from a defensive perspective, um, you know, th- that defense was 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 pretty I mean it, it, yeah, Philadelphia scored some points last week, but ultimately for the most part, and especially in the beginning, I thought the Buccaneers defense uh, was pretty dominant against a quarterback, yeah, who may only be in his second season, but a quarterback that had a solid year. Remember, uh, he is a an alternate uh, to the Pro Bowl, okay? So I look at the Buccaneers. I mean, obviously good on offense, even without a, 
a Chris Godwin or an Antonio Brown can be really good on defense. The Rams, the Rams to me are like the Titans. Like I can't entirely trust the Los Angeles Rams. I know Matt Stafford had a great week last week. He was supposed to have a great week last week, but he's been so up and down. You know, uh, you know, I mean, you, you you look at the wide receiver. I mean, you know, you know, OBJ is going to be ready to rock and roll. I mean, Cooper Cup has been absolutely splendid. Cam Akers is back. I do like the Rams defense. Like that's what I trust the most about the Rams is the defense. Aaron Donald in the middle, almost unstoppable. You've got the linebackers. You've got Jalen uh, in that backfield. You've got Von Miller coming off the edge. I trust the Rams defense. I think this is going to be a low scoring game. Um, I, I, you know, I think that Todd Bowles and the Rams are going to dial up, or, or excuse me, the Buccaneers are going to dial up um, a lot, something special against the Rams. I don't know that this time around, Matt Stafford's necessarily going to have a bad uh, football game. I mean, the now the Buccaneers' back end isn't great. That's the thing about it, right? But if you can take a bend but don't break mentality the way that Todd Bowles orchestrates defenses coming with the blitzes from time to time. And I think that's going to be key against the Rams because the back end of the Buccaneers not going to be able to keep up with the Rams receivers. That said, I like the Buccaneers over the Rams in Tampa. The final game, the Bills and the Chiefs. Wow, I've already said it, that I think that the Bills are going to the Super Bowl. And so you know where I'm going with this pick. I mean, the Chiefs, the Chiefs did what they had to do last week. I mean, the Steelers aren't great. Kudos to the Chiefs. Still may not be hitting on all cylinders. Have you watched Buffalo? Like, I'm not even talking about the New England game. I'm talking about the last couple of weeks with Buffalo. You know, obviously, Allen at the quarterback. He's got digs as a, as a receiver. He's got a good, you know, he's got Singletary in the backfield. But it's this defense. Buffalo, that defense is really, really really good for the Buffalo Bills, and that's what I like. I think this defense does a number ultimately on Patrick Mahomes and this Chiefs offense. Uh, Ultimately, I mean, the offense is good, but it's not like where it was a couple of years ago. And I think that the way that the Bills are playing right now, like look what the Bills did last week against a New England team that was pretty solid uh, from an offensive perspective. The Bills did a number on New England. I like the way the Bills have played ultimately the last couple of weeks, and I like the Bills over the Chiefs in Kansas City. Your thoughts, hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Give me your thoughts on my predictions. Give me your predictions for the NFL playoffs. Up next here on BoxToRow, we'll talk some NBA. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college at Davidson. Uh, it's a great story, and uh, I'm just having fun you know, living my dream and riding the ride. That, of course, the voice of Bianca Belair. EST is in the building. And that's what Sasha Banks and I are going to do. We're going to 
uh, to WrestleMania. We're going to create history. We're going to be the first two black females to have a title match at WrestleMania. I would say representation is it's not a request, it's a requirement. And I'm going to, to try to become SmackDown Miss Champion. But it's more than just creating a moment and becoming a champion. Just by us standing in the ring, we are representation for women and for black women. And so that's an amazing feeling to be able to be that, be that person and be on that platform and the greatest of them all and, and be able to create history. It's just, it's an honor. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. I'm excited I get to play for him. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can, no matter who you're playing. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused, just really, you know, excited. Rob Manfred is the commissioner of Major League Baseball. Players that have been accused in their career of using performance-enhancing drugs, should they be in the Baseball Hall of Fame? I'm going to focus on one word in your question, okay? Accused. Players who have tested positive or there's otherwise been real solid proof that they were involved with performance-enhancing drugs, I think that Hall of Fame writers are entitled to make their own judgment about those players as to whether they think that performance-enhancing drugs or their use of performance-enhancing drugs should prevent them from being in the Hall of Fame. You cannot determine who used performance-enhancing drugs by the way a player looks. It's simply not possible. The one and only Michael Strahan. Always good to talk to you. Hopefully next time it won't be, what, 14 years you get to it. <laughs> Man, you know what it's good? And, and, and uh, you're encouraging people to be better and do better. And, and that's what I love, man. So thank you. I appreciate you. I'm talking about none other than common. Well, I ended up in FAM just because I wanted to major in business. And FAM, you had the illustrious school of business. Then I found out that business was the key. That's what I wanted to do. NBA All-Star Chris Paul. That was great to bring it back to one Salem State University, a uh, black college. Something that my city had never seen before, may never see again. And just having a up-close and personal feeling with LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Melodes. It was exciting. I'm grateful for those guys coming out. He is Stephen A. Smith. Congratulations on all the things y'all have done. Congratulations. Keep up the hard work. Went to Salem State. I had an absolute ball. The only part that was bad uh, was the basketball because my first year there, I cracked my kneecap in half. If I had one thing that I could do over, it would be that I would be there 100% healthy so I could really showcase what I could do. But outside of that, there's absolutely nothing that I would have changed. It was the greatest years of my life. Simone Biles. I guess I just go in there with a positive, open mind of just doing what we do in training and going out there and doing the best that we can do and just have fun with it. I didn't really think of the outcome, but I knew that we had been training hard and we were we were just ready. Greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. All, all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. Still View Football League has done so many wonders. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have going to Division One. Kyrie Irving. Playing at Duke for Coach K. What was that like and how that prepared you for the league now? Playing 11 games, you know, a lot of people think that's not a 
you know, big package for you to become a better player. But for me, it was playing for Coach K. He gave me the keys to the car, and I was driving it in first eight games. And you know, being a part of something special like that and having a brotherhood built at an institution such as that one is an experience that you never forget. Ice Cube has been our guest. Hey, man, thanks for letting me talk a little music, movies, and sports. Hey, my favorite three topics. Hey, everybody, what's going on? This is Anthony Anderson, international movie star and funny mother. <laughs> and you're listening to From the Press Box. From the Press Box to Press Row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a player for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's From the Press Box to Press Row, real, relevant radio. Let's talk some NBA here on Box to Row. We are... A little bit more than halfway through the season. Just a tad bit more than halfway through the season. And I think the surprise team in all of the NBA has got to be the Cleveland Cavaliers. You look at Darius Garland and, uh, you know, what he's been able to do as sort of the, the, uh, the, the leader of that team, the young leader, or one of the, anyway, one of the young leaders of that basketball team. There's no sexting. I mean, what the Cavaliers have been able to do to be close to 10 games over 500 at this point. Okay, at this point in the season, matter of fact, eight games over 500 at this point in the season, I think is pretty good. That's a really a bit of a surprise. Can ultimately the Cavaliers be able to challenge for, uh, you know, the Eastern Conference, uh, Eastern Conference crown? Like, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. Right. I don't know. But I mean, to have a, a veteran guy like a Kevin Love, you know, a guy like a Jarrett Allen, who I mean, for some reason, I thought Jarrett Allen was like an older dude. Right. He's got like an old school game, looks a little bit older. But man, he's like 27 or something. Right. So, I mean, that's a you know, that's a good team. That's a That's a solid, solid basketball team um, that the Cavaliers have. And so that have to be my surprise team. You know, the Bulls right now are at the top of the Eastern Conference. And we talked about this when the Bulls made all those acquisitions that this was going to be a team to be reckoned with. Now, did I foresee at this point in the season the Bulls being number one? I didn't. I thought it would be, you know, if the Nets had been healthy. I mean, if you go back and look at at, uh, at sort of – the what you would have in the preseason. I mean, I think you'd have to, you know, I would have said the Nets won, the Bucks two, um, and I think I, I think I did actually have the Bulls number three and the Heat four, right? But the Bulls are getting it done right now, and you know, Demar Derozan's there. I mean, you've got a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of good players there, uh, a lot of great uh, acquisitions during the off season for the Bulls who are ultimately getting it done. And then the Heat. So the Heat got off to a sort of a slow start a little bit. Kyle Lowry is there now with all of the pieces. Um, Adebayo and all those, I mean, all those guys uh, that are there with the Heat. Like, I don't know that I saw the Heat number two. I had them number four. Again, we're only halfway through the season. But, I mean, you got to really like the way the Heat are playing, especially, or the way the Heat is playing, especially, with the fact um, that the Heat really got off to a slow start, I thought the Heat would be uh, would have gotten off to a, a faster start. When I looked, you know, maybe a eh, guess about a quarter of the way through the season, the Heat wasn't doing 
uh, too well, but ultimately has been able to bounce back. If you have the Nets at number three, I mean, you know, Kevin Durant has mentioned out four to six weeks. I mean, that is that is pretty big, especially with Kyrie only being there um, part-time, if you will, right? And, like, we're not talking enough if you're the Nets about Patty Mills. I mean, he has the ability. Like, he's a he's a – He's he's a phenomenal complimentary player, but I also think he's a player that can lead you when you when when you need to be led. Like he can't do it by himself, but he and James Harden on a given night can because you're going to have those nights when there is no Kyrie Irving. So I mean, I'm not really worried about the Nets at number three. I think ultimately, once uh, Kevin Durant returns, uh, ultimately uh, when it, it, but, but that Kyrie situation still is, it's a bit iffy uh, because th- the other thing is there are no guarantees that when Kyrie plays that the Nets are going to win. No guarantees there. So, yeah, you know, and, and even if he doesn't play, there's no guarantees they're going to, I mean, they, they have a good chance of winning. Just a funny situation, not an ideal situation, but I guess some Kyrie is better than no Kyrie at all. Look at the Bucks at number four. I mean, I'm not really concerning myself uh, too much with the Bucks right now. Uh, in the fourth spot, I think ultimately the Bucks are going to be right there uh, towards the top of the Eastern Conference. And once the playoffs come around, I think the Bucks are going to be ready to rock and roll. The 76ers are interesting. Like Joel Embiid drops 50 on uh, Wednesday night. And... I mean, he's doing everything that he can. It's still a solid team, but that Ben Simmons situation, just think if you had a Ben Simmons, right? If they had Ben Simmons or if ultimately the 76ers had, uh, were able to trade Ben Simmons and then get uh, some pieces back for Ben Simmons, I think that would make ultimately the 76ers, it would make the 76ers better. But even where the 76ers are, I don't think, the 76ers have enough to be Eastern Conference champs. I don't even think they have enough to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, if I'm honest, because I really like the Bulls. Like, even with the prospect of Ben Simmons coming back prior to the season, I still like the Bulls, Heat, Nets, Bucks, all above the 76ers. So, from where I sit, the 76ers are right where they belong. We talked about the Cavaliers. The Hornets, now let's talk about these Hornets. Like, um, the Hornets are are solid, right? Like, they're not going to wow you uh, or anything like that. But it's a solid team. LaMelo, and, and the thing about it, like, LaMelo Ball, to me, I mean, it's not like he's taking a step backwards or anything, but he's not having, to me at least, and I watch, you know, because we're here in North Carolina, so I I watch and keep up with the Hornets uh, pretty regularly. It doesn't seem to me that Ball is having the season that he had last year. Now, that doesn't really mean a whole lot because Miles Bridges, boy, Miles Bridges has really stepped his game up. And we talked about this last week with Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media. We talked with him about Kelly Oubre and what he brings to the table. And I think, I mean, you know, Kelly Oubre brings another dynamic to the table, especially a guy 
that can shoot the three ball. I mean, even a Terry Rozier. You know, you look at a P.J. Washington solid. I mean, they got some solid players. You know, you look at a Terry Rozier who's a, who is a good player and can be, you know, he can step his game up. I think Terry Rozier sort of at times, you know, he's not the guy. You'll look, I mean, he's, he's quiet, right? Like you'll look up and you see Terry Rozier has 20 points in the ballgame. The other guy that is giving the Hornets, I think, uh, something extra is Gordon Haywood. We know Gordon Haywood. We know the story. Comes over from Utah, goes to the Celtics. What was this? I don't know, five years ago. Breaks his leg in the first game. or I mean, Maybe it wasn't a broken leg, but it's a gruesome injury. Right? He's ultimately able to come back from that, but hasn't been the same player. But he's a veteran. He can still shoot the basketball. And he's giving this younger team something. And more than something. He's giving them uh, a lot or enough, I think, is is, is probably the better term. So, you know, I mean, I, I didn't know that the Hornets would be where they are. But, you know, to be at that seven seed is pretty good. You look at the Wizards right now uh, at number eight. And by the way, glad that Bradley Bill got the vaccine, the, the uh, got vaccinated because DC, I think the 15th DC started its, its mandate uh, in terms of being able to, I don't know if it's, if you, if you, if you're going out or certain venues or what have you, but at the end of the day, he wasn't going to be able to play at home. That's the bottom line. So he gets vaccinated. Um, we just kind of got robbed the assistant coach, from the uh, Nets the other night, like as a pass was being made, he kind of batted the ball. He made enough of a deflection. I don't know if you all saw this, made enough of a deflection that it was before it went out of bounds, it was stolen by a Nets player, sort of a, a, a weird thing. And, and the, uh, the Wizards ultimately lost that game 119 to 118, but it had its opportunities. But I like the way Kyle Kuzma's playing, uh, Dinwiddie, I like the way he's playing. Some of these younger guys are playing well. Uh, Bertans uh, paid him way too much money, but I'll give him credit. He's coming around this year. So you look at that. I look at the Celtics, and I'm like, man, you got Tatum, you got Brown. Brown coming back from the injury. They're just not getting, getting it done. This is a team that is way, in my estimation, underachieving. But guess what? Not too late for the Celtics because the Celtics are right around the 500 mark. And you look at that, you know, it's sort of a, there are a lot of teams kind of bunched up around that 6, 7, uh, and really more so that 7, 8, 9, 10 spot. So anything ultimately can happen. Taking a look at the Western Conference, right? You look at the Suns, you look up, all of a sudden the Suns at 34 and 9 kind of quietly getting it done. Right, we're like we're not talking about the Suns that much right now. A lot of the the talk was about ultimately Golden State. Clay Thompson does come back; he's still getting his legs under him. But Steph Curry has been struggling now. As of late, he's done better, but he had really been struggling with his jump shot. He had gotten a couple of little nicks and bruises here and there. Um, ultimately, Golden State's going to be there. I still ultimately believe in Golden State, and I think ultimately. Uh, in the Western Conference Finals, it's going to be the Suns and the Warriors. I look at the Grizzlies. John Moran is taking his game to another level, okay? And the other thing is, 
you look at this Grizzlies team, man, it's a good basketball team, right? Like, it's not only about Ja Morant, and I think that's really the good thing uh, about Memphis. I mean, you got other guys that are stepping up. I mean, I like, you know, Steven Adams has been around, but he's a big presence. You know, Dylan Brooks, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. Like, these guys are really coming to play night in and night out, and these young guys are giving uh, – it's just a team that's playing loose, playing free, nothing to lose, and ultimately playing well. I look at the Jazz. Listen, you know, Donovan Mitchell, you know, you've got Gobert, you've got all these players – I'm just not sold on the Jazz. Did the Jazz do better last year than it did or than it had done in years past? Yes, it did. I'm just not sold on the Jazz. I don't think the Jazz, I mean, maybe the Jazz can win a first-round game, but that's going to be about it for the Jazz. If I look at the Dallas Mavericks, who sit currently at the number five spot, I mean, Luka Doncic is just unbelievable. He stepped up his game to another level, even without Porzingis. Right, like I like Hardaway Jr. And they've got some other pieces there uh, in Dallas where they are playing some good ball. The Nuggets, you know, fortunate to kind of be around. Jokic, man, he is unbelievable. Team I like that's playing well right now, the Timberwolves. And then if you look at the Lakers, like it is just <laughs> not a good situation. Russell Westbrook on Wednesday gets benched for the last five minutes of the game. It's a mess. It was a mess from the jump. When he had all of those older players that signed with the Lakers. I mean, I think the Lakers make the playoffs, but ultimately not going to make any noise. Your thoughts on the NBA? Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. We've got more of Box to Row on the other side. Hello, my name is Precious Rose Dunlap, and this is my mother, Michelle Timberlake Roll, founder of Marjorie Sweet Jerky Incorporated. We would at this time like to thank our new customers as well as our repeating customers for your business. For every one million orders that we receive, our company is giving two million dollars away to the bottom of 400 of our paid customers. You see, that's the way we roll. So come place an order at www.marjoriesbeefjerky.com. That's www.marjoriesbeefjerky.com. Marjorie's beef jerky is the best tasting beef jerky on this planet. Marjorie's beef jerky. Yeah, that's right, because that's the way we roll. Boxtorow.com is your source for conversations with and content on some of the biggest names in sports, HBCU sports, and entertainment. Boxtorow.com. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer. The neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsborough. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House.
It's Donald Ware. From the press box to press row. Last week, I had a chance to catch up with Isaiah Land, the linebacker for Florida AM, won the Buck Buchanan Award for the best player, the best defensive player, that is, in FCS football. He was also the Box Row Willie Davis Defensive Player of the Year. Going to replay that conversation momentarily. Want to recognize the Box to Row National Players of the Week. First, out of Norfolk State, the guard Joe Bryant Jr. Telling you what, he is having an absolutely sensational season. In two wins last week for the Spartans, he averaged 26.5 points, four assists, five rebounds, and two and a half steals while shooting 58% from the field and 50% from three-point range in addition to 94% from the free throw line. Also, Maya Pete, the center for Arkansas Pine Bluff. She's a sophomore from Chandler, Arizona. Averaged 13.5 points, 17.5 rebounds, and shot 53% from the field in two wins for the Golden Lions on last week. By the way, Joe Bryant is a senior from Norfolk, Virginia. I forgot, and my apologies, to mention last week's Box to Row National Players of the Week, or the the week before, I should say, from Virginia State, Terrence Hunter Whitfield. He is a junior from Chesterfield, Virginia, averaged 29.5 points and 10 rebounds per game. He scored 31 points on 9 of 15 shooting, 5 of 9 from three-point range, and grabbed 11 rebounds in a game against Winston-Salem State going back to January the 6th. And then also, Amisha Williams Holiday, the center for Jackson State. She's a senior from Gulfport, Mississippi, was the co or the box to row co player of the year last year. In two games the previous week, she averaged 22.5 points, 13 rebounds, three blocks, and two and a half steals into victories for Jackson State. For more information on our Players of the Week, you can log on to our website at boxtorow.com. As mentioned, had a chance to catch up with Florida A&M linebacker Isaiah Land right here on Box to Row. Talk with him about what it meant to win the Buck Buchanan Award, amongst other things. You're originally from Buffalo, but you grew up near the Atlanta area, correct? Talk about that and sort of coming up, uh, uh, coming up in uh, coming up in Georgia. Okay, so I left. Me and my family left Buffalo. Me and my mom and my brothers, we left Buffalo in 2006, and we um we end up going to Stone Mountain, Georgia, and that's where I played my first time playing football. I was I played. I was seven years old. And that was my first year. My mom didn't really have any money back then when we, when we first got to Georgia. She got she has she built the foundation, but when we first got here, she couldn't even afford for us to play football. So she used to work the concessions for us to play football when we first started playing. And I stopped playing probably eleventh grade, and we had ended up moving to Gwinnett County. That uh, I think when I was like eleven or twelve years old, no, ten years old, matter of fact. So I stopped playing football in like sixth grade. 
and then I started playing again my junior year. And little did I know, I didn't know that Grayson, the area that we moved to, was the best, like one of the best football programs in the country. So me just going out there my junior year, I was able to get a scholarship by my senior year, and that's how I ended up at FAMU. Yeah, no doubt. I, I, it's interesting because, I mean, you I mean, you had a really good season overall, right? But in, in particular, and I, and I was – you know, you had such a game with the five sacks um, that you had against South Carolina State. And so I'm like, okay, I text uh, Coach Simmons. I'm like, who is this kid, Isaiah? He's got five, he had five sacks in the game. I mean, you don't hear about that. I think the week before you, you know, you had a bunch of tackles for loss. Um, and, he, and he said, hey, this was like one of my first recruits, if not my first recruit as the head football coach at FAMU. So t- take us through sort of that process with your senior year, did you have any other other offers and why you chose Florida A&M? Okay, so going into my senior year, my um my D-line coach, like we, we played our, our defense at high school was a 3-3 stack. So, like, most of our ends went to college and played, like, D-tackle. Like, we had big boy ends. And the only two ends, only couple ends that, um, that they had, he used to make a little package. And he used to make a package where it was a four down front and we used to pass rush. So, Basically, like my senior year, I didn't even really start. I didn't. I just got on the field. I literally got on the field because my coaches, even my head coach Heron, after he left, he called and asked about me like a couple years ago, and like they used to just see how hard I used to go on scout team and how bought in I was to like helping the team get better. So like my coach, he just really wanted to find a way to get me on the field. So he made a little pass rush package, and I used to probably play like 15, 20 snaps a game, if even that, and I and I ended up leading the team in sacks my senior year. And uh, my junior year, I was on the JV squad, but I played a little bit of uh, varsity, and then I ended up getting hurt in the playoffs. So my my senior year is where I had 11 sacks. And then I had one offer from UT Chattanooga, but it wasn't really like a real offer. They didn't let me commit because I was one of those type of kids. I was like, whatever school gives me a chance, I'm going to go, and I'm going to just buy in with them. So when UT Chat came and offered me, I tried to commit that day, and they didn't want me to. They didn't let me commit, so it wasn't. I didn't really take it as a real offer. So, FAMU, they came around probably like a week before signing day, if even that. It was probably like six days, five days before the um the last signing day in February, and they had their last visiting crew coming that that weekend for the official visit. So, at first, like I was kind of like I was kind of big headed because my my team. In my high school, they send a lot of kids power five. So I was one of those kids. I was like, man, if I don't go power five, I'm going to just go Juco, and they're going to see that I'm worth power five. So I was like, because they'll, they'll bring me down there to the field house to talk to coaches, and I'll just look at their shirt. And I, if I see FCS, if I don't see FBS or no power five, I'm gonna just, I just I used to just walk out. And one day when the FAMU coaches came, my um my coach, Saints, he was the linebacker coach. He told me to just go on the visit. And then – um. He said, just go on the visit, and then you, you decide if you don't want to go or not. So I went on the visit, and I, I, I fell in love with FAMU, and I fell in love. I really didn't fell in love with like, the football aspect because that's when they were, they were just coming out of, like, they was a losing program. They didn't have a really good facilities at all. It was just the fact that they were giving me a chance, and I just liked the culture of the school and stuff. So I ended up coming to FAMU, and Coach, yeah, Coach Simmons and them was my – like, that was their first year, and that was my first year, so – we were their first recruiting class. So I really just bought into, like, helping build FAMU. I saw that like, after that first season when we had went, like, 7-4, and four, I think, we had. I just saw how much the program changed. And then I seen how it 
elevated even more after we went nine and two. And then it just ever since then, like every year we would have a winning season, you could see it on the on our campus that we had a winning season. Like most schools I go to Alabama but they go undefeated, everything go probably look the same. They just add another trophy. But like at FAMU, we we watching them build new locker rooms and new weight rooms and stuff every time we win because it's, it's bringing in more money and more stuff to the school. So I just like the fact that I'm helping but build something at FAMU and how it's a historical school. And, like, it's it's been big co- – it's been uh, big-time schools trying to get me to go on the portal and stuff lately, but I just really stick in it. I really bought into, like, the whole FAMU thing, and I just really take pride in, like, playing for FAMU. So um, I just stuck to my word. is like whatever team gave me – uh, a chance I was going to stick with him and make other schools regret it, basically. Very well said. That is the voice of Isaiah Land, linebacker for the Florida A&M Rattlers. As a matter of fact, named the best player in all of FCS football is the Buck Buchanan winner. Also, the Box to Row Willie Davis, Defensive Player of the Year as he joins us here on Box to Row. Isaiah, as you know, only a handful of HBCU kids have ever won the Buck Buchanan Award, even though it's named for an HBCU player, uh, what did it mean to you as a as a as a Rattler, uh, as uh, an HBCUer, if you will, mm-hmm. to win this prestigious award? Uh, it's it's really honorable, and it's like it's it's like my whole journey with football. I always wanted it to be meaningful. I didn't want to just be known for like just being a good football player. I wanted to be known for like being like the first or few to do this and that. So, like, it feels good to be the first Rattler to get it, and it feels good to, like, be a part of the HBCU legacy of being great among the whole FCS. So I just feel like all my dreams are starting to fall in line. It's not – they're not – I haven't completed everything I wanted to accomplish, but this is definitely a good start to, like, what I've always dreamed of doing with my life. Florida A&M linebacker Isaiah Land. Before I run here on Box Tour, I want to tell you about a new project that I'm working on. It's called Radio Boss, right? And so if you log on to our website, radio-boss.com, radio-boss.com, you can find conversations that we've had over the last 16 years here on Box to Row. And again, we have a vault, as a matter of fact, so... For instance, conversations that you'll find in the vault, the likes of Kevin Durant uh, in the vault, Skylar Diggins, T.I., right? Uh, You look at Alex Morgan, Vince Staples, Coach K, Ice Cube, right? Uh, You can log on to radio-boss.com and you can look at the vault. And, for instance, we also look in the vault or listen in the vault for that matter. Also, we have more current podcasts. For instance, a conversation with Javicia Leslie, who is a Hampton graduate, by the way, and plays the role of Batwoman, which airs on CW, right? The CW Network. So check out Radio Boss, right? It's our new project. Uh, We're very proud of it. You can listen to some great conversations from over the years, and we've got some really Great conversations with some really big names in the worlds of sports and entertainment. More information can be found at radio-boss.com. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. As always, for more information 
on Box to Row, log on to our website, BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support Yo, Box to Row is produced by DWSK. We can remove them, we was ready to do it right. But you know I'm going through it and it's an Instagram thing right now. They got me chipping ready to flip, they got me chipping ready to come get my chips. They got me chipping loading the clip, they're chipping. Lord, I feel like I'm losing it right now, right now, right now.